Um, so this is when it gets a little dark. Um, it was very isolating. We were, we couldn't really associate with other missionaries and our team, for lack of a better word, was scattered, you know, miles and miles away where it would take like a day's drive to get to anybody. So we were immediately immersed in the community and the culture. I was 13. I was starting to get a little angsty. I was not happy to be there. I didn't want to leave my friends in South Africa. I was comfortable. It had become home. This new place wasn't home. I powered through. Um, We went to a British international school there for a year, and I refused to go back. We went back to the U.S. very suddenly for my dad's health when I was a freshman. Honestly, I believe it was a miracle because we came back and he was cleared of all health conditions immediately. You know, it was God acting to save my life because Mm. I wouldn't have made it otherwise. You wouldn't have made it Um, in the U.S.? I would have made it in Africa. Someday you'll kiss a girl and you'll panic. Some guy will break your heart and you'll feel manic. Then you'll learn to let people have their opinions and talk about your traumas and like the body you live in. Someday you'll learn to keep your own secrets. Say you're doing okay and really mean it. This is Cumin. This is Caleb. Welcome to Life Unwasted, a podcast where we look into our past to discover our present. So the holidays are coming up, which uh, I think I've mentioned in the past is uh, can be a very dysregulating time for me. Uh, for many missionary kids, holidays were always complicated growing up. Um, I just want to encourage everyone to take care of themselves take care of your mental health, do a turkey trot uh, for you Americans out there that celebrate Thanksgiving or Canadians. Um, a turkey trot is usually a 5K that, that happens um, uh, Thanksgiving morning uh, to justify all of the uh, carbs and calories that you're about to eat. Um, but really, you know, reach out to each other, reach out to a friend. If you are feeling lonely, isolated, dysregulated, um, I've been doing a lot of that. I have really appreciated all the connections that uh, we've been able to make um, over these this past year and a half here uh, doing this this podcast. Uh, the connection for tonight, this is someone that Kevin and I have never met before. We spoke for about five minutes so far. Uh, I met this individual online. Um, she was talking about her missionary kid experience and processing some pieces of it. And whenever I see that, I always throw out an invite. You know, um, I always say the the way you get on the show is if you want to just just reach out to us. Um, we love feedback, and um, we even if it's a story that you don't want uh, on the air, uh, we would love to hear it. So, without further ado, um, Sarah, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Give us uh, your background, you know, all the places that you've lived, um, just the general overview of of Sarah. Yeah, sure. Um, so I lived in the U.S. Um, until I was 11. We landed in South Africa in Johannesburg on my 11th birthday, so it's easy to keep track of. Um, and then we lived there for a couple years in a town called Port Elizabeth. Um, before my parents moved us to a different country in Africa, um, we lived in an undisclosed location. 
Um, so my parents could have access to the Islamic community there. And I was there um, until I graduated from high school. I actually went to RVA like Holly did for my sophomores, junior and senior year of high school. Oh, wow. Another RVA grad. Okay. Yes. Okay. I was elated to hear her talk. Really? Really? Yes. It's always awesome. Awesome hearing someone uh, from your school. And if there are any uh, Black Forest Academy grads out there, would love to hear from you guys um, as well. Uh, CAJ, we haven't had a Christian Academy of Japan. We haven't had anybody on, but it's always great to hear uh, an alumni experience. Absolutely. Yeah. So what? Um, oh, go. Uh, keep going. Keep going. I was gonna say our paths didn't cross because I um, moved to. I was post nine eleven, so I didn't graduate until like twenty ten. Um, so I'm probably one of the younger people you guys have had on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I feel like so RVA, and then what after that? Um, so I moved back to the U.S. Went to college found a small town, got married really young, um, and never left a small town. Um, I get a little bit of the etchy feet every now and then, but for me, that's mostly meant that I change jobs and careers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of us got married pretty young. Um, yeah. yeah. I think I was, uh, I think I was 21. Yeah. 21 when I got married. I was, yeah, I was 20. <laughs> wild so I was still in college it was a little crazy but I'm glad I did it um we're still together and married and happy but yeah yeah so um you you mentioned Holly's episode um you were elated to to hear that what, what why why that word why elated um it's just one of those nostalgic things RVA was my safe space um, it was my home for those three years, uh, just because I was a boarding student. Um, I have a lot of fond memories, some really crazy ones. Um, but it, so when I was, a, I was homeschooled when I was a freshman and I knew that, you know, homeschooling wasn't going to be for me if this was, you know, if, if I had a lot of, um, mental health issues at the time. And I knew that I needed out somewhere with some social um, activities and other people I could be around. And I knew RVA existed and I convinced my parents to let me go. So it's become a safe haven for that time for me. Yeah. Oh, safe haven. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guess it's kind of, it may be because you went fairly later in life yes or when you were older mm -hmm. isn't Rift valley school, where right? they had every 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 student from first grade up in the dorms yes um at the by the time i got there um they weren't boarding until a little bit older mm. um but it, they were still some boarding students that were like elementary school age mm-hmm yeah. What was that time like? What was that first year like coming in as a sophomore to boarding so, school? So it was a little different because everybody had come in as freshmen. So there were only a few of us that came in as sophomores. So everybody had kind of already been established. So it was a little bit of the teenage awkwardness of trying to break into established cliques and friendship circles. But it was a new adventure. Um, 
one that I thought I was ready for and I ended up being ready for. Um, I made really good friends. We keep in touch every now and then as, you know, high school friendships kind of go. Yeah. Give us a, can we get a, can we get a uh, legendary dorm story? I'm sure you've got plenty of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So there's one, um, a couple of us, I will not name names, but (laughs) some of us went out to a field and there's a, one of the rugby fields and there's a pipe that goes underneath the rugby field. And there's this challenge called piping where you crawled underneath the rugby field (laughs) through this pipe and you get absolutely nasty, filthy. And I was one of the lookouts um, for these people who did it. And we have pictures to this day of them afterwards, like smiling and grinning from ear to ear after climbing through this pipe underneath the rugby field in the dark. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Tight, tight spaces are one of my tight spaces and heights. I have a real, real issue with that. Ah. Kind of gives me the creepy crawlies. Yeah, but that's what you did what for. Was in there. Yeah. That's what you did for fun. Yeah. You know, when you're missionary kids, you got to be creative for what's entertaining. Yeah. Yes, There's no cable yeah. TV. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, as you've listened, so you mentioned um, that you would listen to every episode. This is before we got on the call. You've listened right. to every episode of this series. Um, I guess what what memories have been coming up for you or what insights have been coming up for you? Like, is is there anything off the top of your head that you wanted to talk about? Um, Honestly, a lot of it feels like it has been covered already. So I don't know how much you want to be like repetitive. Um, well, just tell but, your story. Like, yeah, you know, like your own perspective. Your story's never been told. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that comes up a lot for me is the lack of access to mental health care. Um, <clears throat> I had a pretty severe trauma um, when we moved from South Africa to our new location. And it was one of those things where there wasn't access to crisis counselors or really any other psychiatry or other counselors um, where we were for a while. And since we moved somewhere where we were essentially by ourselves as Americans, we didn't have other Americans or expats to associate with. We were uh, immediately um, in the community. Um, There was a lot of isolation that went along with that and having to deal with it by myself. And then by the time that I was able to kind of seek out that help for myself, I was told um, that it would make my parents look bad. Um, So I had to go back to hiding that part of myself. And it's been something that I've had to unlearn as an adult and untangle um, Mm -hmm. and almost get into that inner child work um, that people talk about and, mm-hmm. um, just really learn, Hey, you know, that, that part of yourself that was hurting, that wasn't wrong. Those feelings weren't wrong and it's okay. Mm. Yeah. I hear you. But being, but being told, how old were you when you were told that your mental was, health was an in- inconvenience to your parents? I was 15. Oh my God. Yeah. Who told you that? Um, 
it was another missionary that told me that. Mm. Wow. He, so, so that missionary took you aside and mm -hmm. said those words. Yeah. I have a 15 year old. I mm. can't imagine. So this would have been when you were a, a freshman, right? I was a, I was a sophomore. At 15? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, wow. So mm -hmm. did this happen at boarding school? Was that adults? Yes. At, at, at so, RVA? Okay. Um, that was, they weren't at RVA, but they were in um, Nairobi. Um, okay. Because it was through RVA that I was able to, you know, identify that, hey, you know, I probably could talk to somebody and yeah. take that time to heal that part of myself. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and this person that, that told you this, was that the person they sent you to, to for counseling, mm -hmm. quote unquote? Yes. I'm going to put that in air yeah. quotes. Yeah. Yeah. We talk uh, about this yeah. so, so much, um, the, the weight and the burden that missionary kids had to carry for their parents' ministry. And it's like... The, all the adults in your life are telling you your mental health is not only unimportant, but um, it's going to like it's going to cause your parents to lose their ministry. And then all these souls are going to go to hell and all of this stuff. And, you know, if you make any I mean, how exactly. can you not internalize that as my needs are not important? Right. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And it took me until like my late twenties to really start to unlearn that and, mm -hmm. you know, go to counseling myself as an adult and connect with a counselor and, you know, plug here real quick that, you know, it's okay if it takes you several counselors to find one you click with, mm -hmm. um, you know, and just unlearn that behavior and that internalized self-hatred, which is what it yeah. became. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Self-hatred. Um, I, uh, I relate to that, um, because, you know, for me, whenever I experienced depression and anxiety and these sorts of things, like many other MKs, I was led to believe that that was the devil. You know, there was some mm -hmm. sin in my life that was, that was at the core of that. And so then, yeah, I felt a lot of shame and I felt a lot of guilt because, what, you know, great sin have I committed that has caused me to open the door in my soul to the devil, right? Exactly. When in fact, these are all related to trauma and instability. Oh my gosh, yes. Instability is definitely one that'll, yeah. that'll do that. Yeah. So to, um, bring all of that into the present. What do you, where are you at now? Um, you know, how does that experience from you being that 14 year old kid being told by an authority figure that your mental health, your person is unacceptable and you need to hide it, pull that into the present. So for present me, I would say that it gives me extra compassion for other mm. people in my life. Um, a lot of people that I hold dear have those struggles um, and so it lets me understand through my personal experience that, you know, Hey, this person could use 
a shoulder today, or this person could use an extra kind word. Um, one of the things that I, I had an aha moment today is, you know, sometimes I feel like I don't have this giant calling what my parents did, but that's okay. My calling can be just to love the people in my life mm-hmm. um, and accept them. That's for a who huge calling. Well, thank you, Cumin. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. It feels pretty minute, but it's it's what I've realized is mine. Mm-hmm. Now, it's just the word calling is too overused in Christian circles. Uh, I've said this just past Sunday and I was relating to the people that when Jesus was asked what are the what is the greatest commandment he he said love the Lord your God with all your heart soul and mind and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself and I said if you knew nothing about the bible except for this commandment and lived according to those two commandments how would your life look like Christians are not at fault here because they don't know much but they're at fault because they don't do much so sarah you loving the people behind around you i think it's you living fully your your higher calling if we can love the people around us i think that's more than enough wow thank you yeah. well and i think that um being loved, feeling love feels awesome, you know, yes. when, when you get it. I think that um, there was a lot of that that we missed out on because our parents were following their call, their calling, you know, and mm-hmm. lo- love is felt with, with time, you know, quality time. And it's definitely uh, informed my parenting, you know, it can't be all about uh, whatever it is that I feel is my, my calling, right? Um yeah. Can you bring us back to um, that? I think you said you went over a, your 11th birthday. What was yes. it like? What was what was that time of your life like? Um, what 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 did South Africa look like? Tell us a so, memory from back then. Um. So let's see. Um, oh, so many. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember on my birthday landing in Johannesburg and being absolutely overwhelmed because it's a giant city and there's all these people here that I don't know, but they've all written me birthday cards, which is like the sweetest gesture ever. And they threw me a little birthday party and we move into this little almost Airbnb on a compound for a few months when my parents did some training. Um, But then we moved to a different city where my parents were actually stationed and the pastor and his wife at this church essentially just adopted us and they taught us um, my mom how to cook some Indian food, which was really great. And we learned how to eat with our hands because there's technically a proper way to eat with your hands. You don't touch your food with your left hand. You only eat with your right. So we sat around a table and we learned how to properly eat with our hands, these rice, rice dishes and um, had our first exposure to like um, mass uh dishes of uh where people would cook this in this one pot and we had this one lady stir this essentially one pot dish with a paddle 
for a boat because it was the biggest spoon they could find. Um, but it was just a lot of welcoming culture, a lot of grace from people who mm-hmm. loved us for who we were and we were able to love them back. Yeah. It, you, you were loved for who you were. Isn't that something? You, yeah. I find irony yeah. in what you just said because I don't know. Okay. Missionaries go to a place to change the people to something else. But the people mm-hmm. there love you for who you are. <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying? It's Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> because we didn't have, you know, stuff to give. We only had ourselves. So as much as it was ministry for my parents to these people, it was also, hey, we're adopting you into our family and we're going to show you our life as much as you're going to show you part of your life. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, uh, it, it, yeah. Tell us more about that, that uh, period of life. Um, it sounds like there were a lot of really great memories from, from that time period. Yeah. Um, so that 11 to 13 year old was, really like innocent happiness for a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to Mm -hmm. a school for the first time because I'd been homeschooled up to that point. So I had my first exposure Mm -hmm. to school and I made some really good friends there um, that they helped me through figuring out, you know, hey, this is how you greet teachers when you walk into class because in South Africa and when the teacher walks in, you stand up and you greet them. Hello or good morning, Mr. or Miss so-and-so. I didn't know that. Somebody had to like gank on my sleeve and pull me out of my chair the first day of school. Um, we went to a couple different really cool places. Um, we were able to go to Cape Town and see penguins. Um, my parents were, you know, making sure we were able to see as much as we possibly could. And they took a lot of pictures, which I'm very grateful for because they're, you know, mm-hmm. helped me with some of these memories because I've I've been going through digging and reliving some of this stuff over the past week. Yeah. Mm. What's a, what's another memory that, or picture that triggered a memory from, from that time period? Um, We were doing a drive-through safari one time um, and a giraffe stuck its head into our car and we were able to get a picture of it because it was just curious to see what we were doing and it just shoved its head in the window and we were like, nice. uh, what do we do? And here we are. And, um, and where did you, what, what country, um, I didn't even ask, what country did you come from? And um, like, where were you right before this? It, you know. So I was in the U.S. until we moved to South uh-huh. Africa. Uh, yeah, generally where? Mid- Midwest? Oh, yeah, east, south, uh, southeast. Southeast. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, this is all a bit of a shock, right? <laughs> Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I will say moving from the U.S. to South Africa was a little bit of a culture shock. I had Mm -hmm. a huge culture shock going from South Africa to where we moved um, when I was 13, just because it was like Africa meets a little bit of the Middle East. um, Mm -hmm. And it was very much so a third world country, whereas I know South Africa is technically one, but there's enough of a city where we were Mm -hmm. that I was able to come compartmentalize that yeah Mm. 
Yeah. What so year I wanted was to this? Add, oh, go ahead. What year was this when you moved to Africa? Uh, 2003. So this was post 9-11. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. So then you went from there, um, mm-hmm. from Johannesburg to a very rural and isolated area in a post yes. 9-11 world, primarily serving um, uh, people who believed in Islam. What yes. was that like? You you've talked about it a little bit, but let's, let's go there. Um, so this is when it gets a little dark. Um, it was very isolating. We were, we couldn't really associate with other missionaries. Um, and our team for lack of a better word was scattered, you know, miles and miles away where it would take like a day's drive to get to anybody. Um, so we were immediately immersed in the community and the culture. Um, I was 13. I was starting to get a little angsty. Um, and I was not happy to be there. I didn't want to leave my friends in South Africa. I was comfortable. It had become home. This new place wasn't home. Um, and I powered through. Um, we went to a British international school there for a year, and I refused to go back. So I homeschooled my freshman year of high school. Um, I will say I had great experiences there too. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. But I also was very suicidal for most of my time there. Um, we went back to the U.S. very suddenly for my dad's health when I was a oh. freshman. And honestly, I believe it was a miracle because we came back and he was cleared of all health conditions immediately um, that, you know, it was God acting to save my life because mm. I wouldn't have made it otherwise. You wouldn't have made it um, in the U S I would have made it in Africa without oh, the gotcha. break to the yes. U S because you went, you essentially went back and you went to RVA instead yes. of, Right. Homeschooling in that, mm-hmm. that very, very isolated place. Yeah. yeah. Sorry for the confusion. No, no, I got it. Um, you're the second um missionary, well, technically third, because we had um a brother sister on Ste- Stephanie and, and Daniel, uh the first season. They were in mm-hmm. a close country. And uh Daniel was my roommate in in college in high school. And that is a very specific, unique experience. Um, mm-hmm. Living with that that type of danger, where you can't even talk about um, uh, anything related to your parents' job, uh, or with you know threat of being expelled from the cu- country at a minimum, possibly violence. And so, like, like when you compare your experience to others, I don't know, like, how, like what was that like for you as a kid? So it's a little different because we didn't have necessarily physical violence threatened against us because it was, there were Christians in the community. Um, and so it was a, we're associated with a non-governmental organization when we're in Africa. And then when we're in the U.S., we're missionaries. But in Africa, when we're around other Americans, it's kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're not missionary situation. Um, so it was a balancing act that felt a little weird even as a teenager um, because I, I knew my parents were missionaries, but 
we couldn't say anything. So it was very much a learned, this is the party line and this is what you have to stick to. Um, so like people in the community knew my parents were mission were not, were not missionaries, that they were Christians, but that was the extent of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so when we had people visit, it was, they were friends, not on mission trips. Um, when I went to RVA, my parents weren't missionaries. They were Christians with a non-governmental organization. Wink, wink, mm-hmm. nudge, nudge. So that kind of situation. And, and again, uh, like, you know, and I totally understand uh, why, why missions do this. I, I understand why missionaries do this. Um, but that, you know, participating in that double life again, like as a kid, you're just expected, Hey, you're part of this too now. And yes. you've got to perform and uh, play the, the act uh, or, you know, we could get expelled from this country or, you know, all the things I just said. Um, yeah. That, that's a lot to ask of a kid. I mean, that's an additional specific thing that you went through um, that a lot of other missionary kids like myself did not have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It made connecting with other missionary kids a little difficult um, because I couldn't truly be out as a missionary kid. Oh, wow. Mm. Um, mm. I had to adopt the, I'm the, I'm a TCK and that was all I was allowed to have. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And that must have been thing. difficult. Mm. Yeah. That's, th- that is a different thing than an MK. It just is. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, uh, being a child of a secret agent and mm-hmm. not exactly. being able to, reveal your parents' identities to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Mm. So how did, wow. how did, well, we've talked about a lot of things. How does all of that intersect with, um, with uh, mental health? You know, um, again, like it, it sounds like, like many missionary kids, um, you were not getting the services that you needed. Right. I wasn't. Um, and a lot of, for a long time when I was, you know, even at RVA, I was happy, but there were days more than I would like to admit that I would tell myself, I only have to make it one more year. I only have to make it two more years until I'm back in the U.S. and I can be myself. I can have some independence. I can be me. Mm. Um, and, and it would be better is what I would tell myself. Um, Mm. well, whether or not it's truly better is a different story because, you know, those things don't just magically go away. Um, they kind of stick around and make themselves known, but, um, I don't even know where I was going with all that, but let's, I was going to ask you about that. So you had this kind of built up in your, in your head, man, when I get back to the U S life's going to be different. (laughs) What, yes. what was what was re-entry back into the U.S. like for you? What tell us that story? It felt honestly pretty seamless. RVA did a pretty good job at preparing seniors for re-entry into the U.S. because most of us were going back to the U.S. for college. Um, again, I was the dorky kid. Um, I, you know, when you 
automatically start off with, hey, where are you from? And I say Africa, people kind of their eyes glaze over a little bit and they move on. I got a lot of Mean Girls jokes, which I had to go watch the movie um, and figure out what that was about because it's about a girl from Africa who comes back to the U.S. Um, Oh, that's right. But I actually had a, so I did a a work program through my college and I actually had a coworker tell me one time that, Hey, I thought you were lying for attention when you said Mm. you're from Africa. So (laughs) I quickly locked that part of myself away Mm -hmm. and put on another act of, you know, Hey, where are you from? Oh, I'm just kind of from everywhere and left it at that. And so again, I went from Africa where I couldn't be myself to back to the U S where I was also not truly being myself in a different way. And it's only been in the past few years where it's like, you know, merging those two parts of myself and saying, you know, I can own this. It doesn't have to be a secret. It doesn't have to be something that I save for um, when people push and pry for more personal information. Yeah. What do you say now when people, yeah. Yeah. What do you say now when people ask? So um, I'll say where I currently live. I live in a small town outside of Atlanta. Um, But when they ask, you know, Hey, how did you find Barry where I went to college? I'll, I'll tell them more information. I'll say, Hey, you know, I lived in Africa and I grew up there. My parents were missionaries. I don't, I I don't start off that way because it's not a big part of my story right now. Mm -hmm. And it may become bigger as I, you know, work through everything. Um, But it is part of my story. So I do share it more. Yeah. It's funny. You're our third Atlanta MK. I don't know why we're targeting the city of Atlanta, um, <laughs> but you're our, our, our third Atlanta MK this season. Uh, that's oh, really wow. funny. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. But this theme of like, like um, fully integrating all the different parts of yourself uh, back together, um, man, that's just gone throughout every every season of life unwasted and again you know that's the the theme of the show is is living a a un unwasted life and and pulling out every single part of yourself um but that's that's really hard you know you mentioned uh you were hiding part of yourself in in kenya and uh other country not disclosed um and then you came back to the U.S. and you had that same feeling. And I think every MK can relate to that. Um, you you kind of get tired of trying to help people understand who you really are. So you just like make up a mask, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I do that every day. I wear certain clothes and I say certain things to make people think that um, that they know me or they yeah, you know, it's so that I fit in, but it's it's all just an act. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Caleb, you recently, not on the podcast, but recently on a conversation we had or on Messenger, you said you were yourself in a conference that you went to and people loved you for being you. And I think that was wonderful. 
Yeah, those are really. Th- oh, this episode is not about me, guys. Um, no, I know, I know. <laughs> this, but... is, this is Sarah's episode, <laughs> but Sarah, I did that recently. Um, you know, it was a, it was a work event, and normally I get myself all worked up and I overthink everything, and and this time I just had the confidence to just be my full self, and it felt really good, and um, everything was fine. You know, uh, people responded really warmly. Uh, it, it, it's a hard thing to do though. It really is. I had a similar situation recently. I started a new job and we all went out after work and it was, you know, I started off, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to be myself. I'm, you know, when they ask me where I'm from, I'm going to answer directly and I'm not going to mosey around the point. And people didn't, their eyes didn't glaze over. They were immediately like, whoa, tell me more. Um, and interested in me for who I am. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's hear another, uh, boarding school story. I, I, in the back of my head, I just keep wanting to go there just because I love meeting other, um, other dormies. Uh, what was boarding school like for you and, you know, uh, a fond memory and then maybe a, a not so fond one. Um, so let's see. A fond memory is one where in 11th grade, we have this party and it's called scarfing. And it's a very weird, only missionary kids would probably ever understand, but you can't take your boyfriend or your girlfriend. And the way you ask somebody to this party is you have to wrap a scarf around their neck. And as the girls going after the guys and the guys, would always um, try and last the longest to see who could, you know, withstand all the girls chasing them. So you'd see people running across campus and the last guy normally got tied to the flagpole. (laughs) Um, You know, it'd take like six or seven guys, but he'd get tied to the flagpole and it'd be like, okay, you're done. But I managed to um, scarf the, friend of my current of my boyfriend at the time and we went as potters to this party but it was a great time um it's a fond memory just because of the hilarity of it and yeah not something you see anywhere else i don't think (laughs) yeah i don't think so either (laughs) it's so very specific yeah that's great (laughs) that's great and i yeah not fond memory um let me think so this one was a mixed bag but senior night for us was a rough one um and i know a lot of people can probably relate to this but we essentially went around in a circle and said goodbye knowing we're probably not going to see any of these other people we've lived with for years ever again. Um, that was a rough night. Yeah. What about the mixed bag? What's mixed? Because you have got to have these really direct conversations with people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to say, you know, Hey, I love you. I love being your friend. I've loved getting to know you you've meant a lot to me and I've enjoyed these memories with you. But at the same time, you're sitting there holding each other crying. 
because you know you're probably not going to see them again and life is going to move on. Mm. That sucks. Yeah, we've yeah, talked we, about that every every yeah every school. Um, you know, obviously the homeschool experience is different, but um, you know, we had a version of that at, at Faith Academy. I know at, at every other school there was a version of that where it was like, all right, everyone, this time in our life is over. It's all it all ends. And I think what Holly said is, um, you know, there's not a piece that she could take with her, right? Yeah. That's all all you have is Mm-hmm. Yeah. All you have is your come, memories and your pictures. Come to think of it, that is literally the description of death. You can't take anything with you. Mm-hmm. So a piece of you died that night or that day when you it's had to say to your it. goodbyes. Yeah. So do what's it been side, like now? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, do stateside high schools do the same? I'm just curious. Do you know? I have if, no like idea. on the last day of high school. Yeah, I guess we should ask someone living in the States if they do something similar. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. continuing, Caleb. Well what's yeah, what's it? I don't know. Caleb's question was it like being it's funny after? that do you know do you know I want to ask you in, in, in Korea, what's the tradition? Or do you, like what what would they what would they do at a Korean high school? Yeah, what what do people do in Korea? I think none of them say goodbyes anymore. But we're all connected. Yeah. We think we're connected at least. I mean, think about it. When Caleb and I mm-hmm. graduated from high school, we were not really internet savvy. None of us have Facebook or MySpace or TikTok whatnot so we didn't really think that we would ever see each other so goodbyes were real goodbyes but nowadays i think the atmosphere the culture has changed so much yeah yeah, it was a little different having facebook because we facebook had started to come around by the time i graduated Mm -hmm. but it was still in its infancy i would say um Mm. but we were able to still have those connections online with people, um, even though we wouldn't. Nec- we, we we were going from seeing each other every day to maybe never again to maybe once a year. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen anybody mm-hmm. from high school since we graduated, and my roommate left because my roommate went to the same college I did for a mm-hmm. couple years. But after she left, that was it. Wow. Wow. So, so um, I'm curious, like, why? Um, and then secondly, um, what's it been like now? You said you were rooting through photo albums and, mm-hmm. and boxes and stuff like that. It sounds like you're reopening some of this stuff. Like, you know, yeah. Like, where are you at with all this now? Or what's that journey been like for you? Um. So part of it has been for this podcast. It's been, you know, listening to the previous episodes, it's brought up things like, you know, the mental health. People have talked about isolation a little bit mm-hmm. in previous episodes. Um, that's been something that, you know, I had dealt with. Um, then Holly's episode was really great. Listening to her talk about RVA and having, you know, not being able to take that piece with her. Um, but then it's, it's opened up those things where I'm like, you know, I want to go through those memories 
that I have and see those pieces of myself from, you know, that maybe I have boxed away that I want to unbox and reconcile that with myself, who I am now, Mm. um, and work through that and, you know, go, Hey, this is something that's a chapter of my story. I may not like that chapter, but it's part of my story Mm -hmm. or this may be a really great chapter. This is one I want to save and cherish. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Who, who are you now? And I heard you mention a, a couple of times, um, uh, it, it sounded like you were, um, still believed in God or had, had your faith and all those sorts of things, I guess, you know, where are you at now? What, what, what's that journey been like and, and where did you end up? So as far as faith goes, um, yeah. or, I had or, left, yeah, the, that, I had left the church for several years. Um, and it was, in a deep, deep depression that I found God again. And mm. it, over the past couple of years, um, it's been something that I've been working on. I still have so many questions and it's been reconstructing my faith. Um, what, what do I believe versus what is something I was taught? What it was something my parents believe. There's a lot of that, that I'm still working on and putting back together as part of myself. Um, but it's something I hold on to in in those times where I have nothing else. Um, and looking back, it's something I've always held on to, even when I didn't realize it. Mm. So, but as far as who I am now, I mean, I'm the best person I've ever been. And I look at myself and continue to grow and know that, Hopefully I'll be better tomorrow than I am today. And I'll understand myself better tomorrow than I even do today. Sarah, if you could talk to your 15 year old self. that just I knew this question idea. was coming. I know you did. I know you did. Um, yeah. Yeah. I what would you, what would you tell her? Yeah. I hate to steal someone's answer. That's already been said but I would just hold myself because as much as I would want to tell myself it gets better, I can't promise myself because it doesn't always get better. There are times where it is better, but there's times where it's worse. But I can tell myself that, you know, you're going to get through it and there's going to be days where it's sunshine and those are the days where it's worth it. Mm. I think it's interesting that you identified that yourself, you know, that version of yourself just needed love, needed to feel Mm -hmm. it, needed to feel it in her bones. And that you mentioned that your life has been about loving others, you know, and, and making them feel it. Right. I mean, you could have picked a calling that, that, you know, brought you on an adventurous adventure. Right. Um, yeah. But do you think that, I don't know, what What are your thoughts on, on that? Um, I'd say that I'm okay with my life is now. Mm-hmm. I, you know, 
where where I am in life allows me to have a bit of that sense of adventure, mm-hmm. but I can do that without having that element of colonization and mm-hmm. without having to live a double life like my parents mm-hmm. did a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, let's hear. Uh, so we're. It's funny. I I keep looking at the clock, and I keep trying to figure out how to add more had add more time to this interview. Um, I'm wondering if there was anything, any specific memories that you wanted to make sure you talked about uh, on the show, or if there's any uh, legendary stories within your family that that you wanted to make sure that we knew about. There's so many. I have a whole yeah. list on my phone. Um, yeah, let's gosh. go for it. So there's this one family where we were in the undisclosed location that essentially adopted us for the entire time we were there. Um, <clears throat> so the first time I went over, it was after my mom had already met the two wives because they were polygamist. Um, went over and you can't turn down anything that's offered to you because that's rude. And they're showing you the hospitality of their home and they pull out avocado sugar and a bag of unpasteurized milk and proceed to blend it together. And my teenage self was absolutely horrified at the time. And I remember shooting mental daggers at my mother a little bit because I had to sit there and drink this cup of blended up, sweet avocado juice and it was absolutely disgusting but at the same time it's one of those stories where they gave us what they had um they didn't have much but it was their showing of hospitality can i do one more story yeah can i can i just say though that like i kind of want to try that that actually sounds really good (laughs) i love avocado and i love (laughs) Yeah, like, like, I mean, like, what you described did not sound disgusting to me either. Sounds amazing. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually love avocado. With yeah. I do too, but mm-hmm. sweetened avocado. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I yeah. That's, that's that is my sweet spot, but he's yeah. to his own, I guess. Agree to disagree. You know, it's yeah. like avocado yeah. ice cream. Hit us. Delicious. Yeah. Sorry. One more. Yeah. <laughs> I love avocado shakes. Anyway, yeah. Sarah, hit us with another story. <laughs> so this one was from yeah, South it. Africa. And my mom had learned how to cut all of our hair before we moved. And she was cutting my dad's hair and happened to not look one time and didn't put the cover on the blade and proceeded to shave a stripe up the back of my dad's head. And... Oh. <laughs> And apparently, I I I brought this up to my mom because I was like, I'm going to tell this story. And she's like, yeah, to this day, 20 years later, he still checks the guard (laughs) for the guard on the back of the razor before she cuts his hair. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. My mom. Your mom uh, still cuts your dad's hair to this day. Mm -hmm, She does. Wow. Yeah. That's great. She must she must be a uh, good or or free or one of those. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Combination <laughs> my mom cut there. My hair too. I think I don't know how common that is. Did your mom uh, cut your hair, Cuban? Because my mom did one time. She cut my all hair all the time. Yeah, 
all the yeah, time. Yeah. yeah, she. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she you cut your ear one time. All of her. Yeah, we were. Um, I think we were in. Oh, I think we were. I forget where we were at. It was in the Philippines, and it was super hot. Um, it was in the evening, but it was just like roasting, and I was covered in this like plastic sheet, and I was just boil. It was boiling sweat, and I was in elementary school, and I just could not stop moving. And my mom, you know, was like kind of getting rough with me. And, um, and then all of a sudden, like it was an accident, but she cut my ear and man, ears bleed a lot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> man, I haven't thought yeah, of that all these... forever. I don't think there is a missionary kid who didn't have their hair cut by their mom. <laughs> I'd be surprised. Yeah. 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 That's funny. Yeah, it's just one of those experiences that you have. All moms are hairstylists and personal cooks and chauffeurs and everything in between on the mission yeah. field. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Uh, it, it, any others? Um, otherwise, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna tell a story because one one came up for me. But uh, Sarah, uh, what, what what's another story that you wanted to tell? Um. So. We went on a trip. Um, this is back to RVA. And so they did this thing called interim for juniors and seniors where you get to go on this like half mission trip, half learning experience, half you can, you know, experience what Africa has to offer. And this is just, it's not really much of a story, but it's one of those Mm-mm. fond memories that I look back on. And we got to raft part of the Nile, um, oh, wow. which was really cool. And yeah. I was terrified for most of it because I'm not that much of an adrenaline junkie, but it's one of those things I look back on and I'm like, you know what? I'm proud to say I did that. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Like, how, yeah. Rafting the Nile. Like, come on. That sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't know. I, I, I am not a adrenaline junkie and I, I, I kind of, yeah, I'm not sure if I would go rafting in denial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think avocado toast is a little bit more your your speed. Kid. Yeah, yeah, um, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, What's your story, no, human? Have I told the pig bladder story? Um, on yes, you yet? have, but oh, I don't think it's. Shoot. No, I don't think it's been aired though. I don't think you've. I don't said remember it. On it. Air. No, you okay. haven't said it on air. You you've said oh, it in a private I, yeah. conversation. Yeah, I was gonna say I I told you and and Ben this after we finished our interview, yeah, right. um. But this came up last week. Um, I was at a work uh on a work trip last week, and um, you know, people always ask me missionary kid stories, and so we're around this table, and it was me and all my coworkers, and I said, actually, here's one, uh, that came up recently, and of course, I'm telling it because it's funny. And at the end of it, like you could hear a pin drop, like, oh my God, that's in anyway. So here's the story. Uh, I was in elementary school, homeschooled. So it was probably kindergarten uh, when this happened. Um, we had these little house on the prairie books. And in in those little house on the prairie books, there's this um, uh, uh, book where they uh, slaughter a pig. And they pull the bladder out and because the bladder has a valve on each side, you can fill it full of air. And so they, they inflated it and they were kicking it around like a soccer ball, you know, in the book. And my mom was like, oh, experiential learning. The, we know the Kongs, they have a, a lechon factory 
Um, so let's take the boys down there and what we got to watch a pig getting slaughtered. It was like, you know, screaming and then, you know, gutting it and pulling out the bladder. And this bladder was like half full of urine. And so it's like wobbling all around. And and the guy, and I'm going to do the noise here, you know, like, like blowing, like with his lips up to like the, the tube uh, that goes into the bladder, like fills it full of hair, air. So it's half air, half urine, and it's wobbling around on the, in the dirt. You know, it's covered in blood. It's covered in dirt. And then my mom's like, all right, you know, come on, boys, kick it around. You know, and my brother and I had just watched all of this and we're like, I think I kicked it once just to whatever. <laughs> um, but my brother and I were just like, oh, my. Anyway, uh, so that is the Little House on the Prairie pig bladder story. Um, homeschooling is is wild. And I think it's a funny story. I mean, when we tell it back to my mom and my mom, I'm just like, like, what were you thinking? You know, like. <laughs> My mom's the Indiana farm girl. So, you know, slaughtering animals was was nothing to her. Um, but uh, when you tell that in mixed company or mixed company around non MKs, like everyone looked at me like like I was a freak. You know, they were like, um, well, that's <laughs> that's traumatizing, you know. No, well, it isn't. <laughs> that's, I'm not going to tell you those memories. <laughs> like that was yeah. this is funny. This this, this is, is ma- this yeah this, yeah this is just funny. It's you know every so that's, day run of the mill. That's the light story. Yeah, that's the <laughs> light story. Right, right, right. Pig right. bladders are you know we be down there. You know, we, these are stories we tell to humor one another. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you heard the monkey story? Now that yeah, another <laughs> turn of events. Yeah. <laughs> did you have a pet monkey growing up, Sarah? Or what weird yeah. pets did you have? We're gonna end on that so, pet monkey yeah. or pet anything. We were pretty pretty bland and had two dogs, mm-hmm. uh, but we did have monkeys that lived in mm-hmm. our backyard. Uh, oh yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. So yeah, yeah, that's funny. Um, so what does it all mean? Where are we at? Um, wow, you're asking deep questions. Who are you? <laughs> what does it all mean? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think putting it all together, um, it's like I've said before, it's my story. It makes me who I am today. Um, mm-hmm. The good, the bad, the ugly. Um, I'm still going back through some of these chapters in the books that I haven't read in a while. Um, and bringing that to who I am and going, you know, hey, that person deserved to be loved at the time. And I need to love Sarah at 15, 16, 17 years old. Mm. Yeah. And pull all that shame away. You know, you mentioned that before. Um, When you struggled, when I struggled, I remember uh, it being reinforced with you're being a problem. You know, there's something wrong with you. You need to hide that, you know, those, not those exact words, but, um, I associated my mental health journey with a lot of shame and maybe that's our call to action this week. Um, de-shame your mental health journey. Everyone, I hope you've heard every single guest who has talked about mental health, um, uh, has talked about it being associated with, with shame. And that only reinforces, or it prevents you from doing the work you need to, to, um, uh, 
get healthy or or to you know continue to live with with your mental mental illness uh, there's no like cure that magically makes it better like these are things that you live with for the rest of your life so de shame your mental health journey i think that's the call to action does that sound okay i like it oh yeah yeah and our our, the thing we're gonna say is go love go love um you know at the uh are you saying at the like end the, yeah, yeah after the, the song yeah yeah well any any final thoughts sarah while i get your song rolling here um i just want to thank you guys it's been an honor talking to you um and really thank you for helping me bring up my own story and this part of myself because with, mm-hmm. without it i don't i think it would have stayed in a box yeah. Oh no, the pleasures are all ours and the honor is yeah. ours for you to grace our show with your presence and your story. And yeah. And why this song? You might not um you might not like her. Why why did why did you pick this song? So this is one um that actually for the most part will bring me to tears. Um because it is talking about loving past you and current you. And there's a line in here, and I'm sorry about the swear, but it's the girl the good girl you were was really fucking bad at being real. And it's, you know, I'm being real for my life right now. I wasn't real necessarily growing up, but I can be real now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Cheers for being real. Kudos to everyone out there who's being real as fuck. That's the only way mm-hmm. to live. <laughs> More swears. I'm going to play a bit <laughs> of this song for you guys. Here we go. If you would have told me I'd throw away my purity ring in the middle of an airport My younger self would laugh, would never believe that it's against everything that we stood for She'd hate that I smoked weed and cuss frequently And she'd try to convert everyone I call a bestie You'll throw shots in the dark and black out at a bar. There'll be good, then there'll be bad parts. All right, Q. All right. On the count of three? What are we saying again? I already forgot. Go love. Go love. Yeah, I said go love. Okay, on the count of three. One, two, three. Go love. Go love. Like the body you live in. Someday you'll learn to keep. Thank you.